Welcome everybody to Going Places episode 4. We have a great one planned for you today, special guest David Price. Real quick, I want to mention a couple things we're doing for the podcast. It's doing very well and we appreciate it all. Uh, feel free to give us a 5 star rating or leave a comment if you're listening on the Apple Podcast app. Also, you can send in voice messages on the Anchor app that can be played and discussed on the podcast. Just go to our homepage on Anchor FM and hit voice messages. We cannot do this podcast without Anchor FM. They make it super easy to record this podcast. We do it right off of my iPad. You can do it from your phone or computer. They put it on all the black broadcast platforms for you, and they take care of all the technology. Maybe you've thought a lot about starting your own podcast. Well, it couldn't be easier. Just go to anchorfm.com. Now let's get to the episode. So. All right. David Price is here with us today. Hello. Thank you for being with us. We appreciate it. No problem. I think it's important to have, you know, platforms like this where, you know, young people who are opening into new fields of conversation have a place where they can talk. And even if it's not, you know, the per- most perfectly polished thing ever, I think right. it's important that we still have it. And, yeah. you know, Anchor FM is a great thing to use. Yes, definitely. So I'm glad you're letting people know what you're using. Yes, that's good. That's a sponsor, actually. Actually, cool uh, also have my dad. My dad has his sermons on Anchor FM. He does. I, I don't think he posts them anymore, but if you want to check him out, Dr. Blue Spice Podcast. You might have to get him on eventually, too. So, uh, would you like to tell a little bit about yourself? Yeah. Music um, or in fields or whatever you want to talk about. Yeah, um, I'm, my name is David Price. I'm Daniel's older brother. Uh, I am a junior at Blacksburg High School. And um, I guess um, I, I'm a guitarist. That's, uh, that's one of the, I guess, the main things we're going to talk about. I have, I'm really into music, things like that. Um, overall, I, you know, metal music, anything with a guitar in it, I like to listen to. Um, I guess we could just jump straight in, unless that's there's anything else you want to know. So. I think that's all. But, uh, so how long have you been playing the guitar? Uh, I'll be, this will be four years this summer. Uh, I, seriously, probably three, but um, playing in total four. Started in eighth grade, I started on like a, my dad's acoustic, I uh, tried to play it, it was too big, so I had to play on a little junior scale, little, we call it a cat guitar, but it, it's a three-quarter scale guitar. Martin's a nice guitar, but um, no, I started four years ago. Started just playing acoustic, messing around with it, but got my first electric and I couldn't stop. So that's that's really what happened there. What uh, inspired you, or who's who, what music, or whose music inspired you to really get into music and start learning? Well, I started. I loved the Eagles uh, whenever I was in middle yeah. school, and a uh, great band. And um, I went to see one of their live shows one year. I got a as one of my biggest gifts for Christmas. We went to see one of their live shows, me, my grandparents, a couple of my parents, and um, a couple friends, sorry. And um, we went to see it, and they played an opening song called Seven Bridges Road on an acoustic guitar. It just opened with an acoustic guitar, and I thought, well, wow, they can really play that. That sounds great. And I have one of those at my house. I might as well pick it up and start trying. Now, I'll say this. I didn't start off being able to play as well as they could, of course. They've been playing for 20-plus years, but... Going to that live show and starting off playing, you know, Eagle songs, acoustic songs, just standard chord songs, it was a good start. It fostered a love for music. I'd already been in the band for multiple years. I started off playing flute, which is it's hard to think about. Five years ago, playing a flute, but I immediately switched. I didn't want to play flute for long. 
but knowing, you know, music, being in the musical field for years and years, and then all of a sudden drumming to a new instrument that I loved more than anything else I'd ever played was, you know, crazy. My dad played guitar uh, growing up, um, so, you know, we had guitars around the house. Um, I remember staying up one night, this was years before I had even joined the band. I was probably, you know, eight, nine. I remember staying up one day, we'd gone on vacation with a couple cousins, and my dad and um, my uncle Matt had stayed up talking, probably till 12 o'clock to 2 a.m., just talking about guitars, and it was, I remember not knowing a thing about what they were talking about, but being so interested in the conversation. But, and then four years later, I pick up a guitar and I start playing, I'm having the time of my life. So if you, if you see the difference there, in, you know, or the beginnings of your love for music, it, it's foreshadowed way, way before. So I wouldn't say any artist really impacted me to start. It's really growing up in a musical area. I'm a musical person. Most of my family's musical. My parents told us we had to play in a in band for two years whenever we joined. So we all did. And uh, I guess growing up in a musical environment is kind of, a large part of what started me to pursue music, at least yeah. in the beginning. So, I mean, that you were talking about the Eagles, but... Um, when you went and saw the Eagles, was that before uh, Glenn Fry passed away? No, that would have been... That would, it, was, it was a little bit after. His son was playing really? in, in his place. It was, it was pretty interesting. That's this incredible. Would have been, Don Henley? Don Henley was there, yeah, yeah. Amazing. He's, he's a great drummer. Yeah. One of the greatest uh, singing drummers of all time. Hotel California is a great vocal song like in the fast lane he's probably their best singer in the band i'd say that and their bassist but their bassist doesn't sing very much but um when i went to see them it was it was all the original lineup but glenn fry wasn't there and i can't i can't remember for the life of me who else wasn't there but they were replaced by a country artist i can't even remember his name right now was he a big deal he was a very big deal he's uh he still is in fact um but he um when we went, that really sparked me to start. It sparked me to pick it up, and I would play for maybe... I'd play, and, you know, I'd get into it, I'd practice for maybe a week, and I'd take two weeks off and forget about it, and I'd pick it back up and take two weeks off. It was like a slow, gradual learning. And that, that really inspired me to start. But as soon as I picked up an electric, I started listening to electric songs. And that really just kick-started me into playing seriously for large amounts of time. Well, like, I, I play baseball, and I really... As a baseball player, I love watching other people play baseball. As a guitarist, you know, who is, um, in your opinion, your favorite guitarist? Well, uh, I mean, I'm sure you guys have heard me talk about him just in passing conversations, but there's an artist named John Petrucci. He's yeah. a Dream Theater's guitarist, incredible guitarist. Uh, probably one of the most, you know, skilled writers of solos. I mean, uh, they have a song called The Best of Times. It has some of the fastest passages of music I've ever heard in my life, but it also is melodically you know, insane. So right. it's it's like Pink Floyd. There's there's two different types of guitarists solo wise currently. There's uh, melodic players and there's they're called shredders, but right. quick speed yeah. players. And I think it's important to balance those two and John Petrucci does that brilliantly. That's why I love him so much. But there is also an artist named Guthrie Govan. He's a jazz guitarist. He's got some great music. If you it's I don't wanna say if you're not if you don't know music theory, you can't listen to it, but knowing music theory will help you appreciate it a lot more, understanding what he's playing, what he's doing, how to listen to it. Because, you know, there's certain things where if you listen to it from an uneducated perspective, it can sound like gibberish. 
but I mean, it'll sound cool, but you just won't be able to grasp it musically the same yes. way that somebody with the musical experience would. So if you're if you're wanting to get into guitar music and you want to listen to some things, um, I would not recommend jumping in with Dream Theater. I feel like that will skew you off the path very quickly. I'd recommend probably starting with something more akin to some classic rock, Led Zeppelin, mm. Pink Floyd, you know, all the all these the greats, Dire Straits, uh, Mark Knopfler, the great guitarist. Um, but my favorite guitarist for where I'm at in my stage is probably John Petrucci. Guthrie Govan. Uh, now I am a heavy metal enjoyer. Dream Theater is not necessarily the heaviest of metal, but it's it can get there. But if you're listening, if you're looking to jump headfirst into some things uh, musically, and you don't have any necessary musical bounds, I'd recommend. It's called Bleed by Mashuga. It's the name of the song. Bleed. It's an assault on your eardrums. But if you understand any sense of how difficult it is. To play some some rhythmic things, you'll I I loved it. I loved it as soon as I listened to it. But yeah, those um, are some excellent. For your career, and we haven't talked about this a lot, but you want to go into uh, playing guitar, right? Absolutely, yeah. So really. what would you want to do? Would you want to make your own stuff? Tour? Would you? Well, do? of course, it's any any guitarist's dream to be able to you know tour and you know play these you know arenas like Van Halen did, which may he rest in peace. What an amazing player. Probably one of my biggest inspirations in electric uh, guitar, Van Halen. Uh, incredible. But, um, of course, it's everybody's dream to go, you know, if you're playing guitar, to go tour these arenas to play in front of thousands of people. But I'd say the more realistic thing that I'm hoping for is to be a session musician. Right. Which many people don't un uh, really understand what it is, because uh, it is kind of a dying profession. But um, it's... Pretty much, you're hired by a record label or a production company uh, to fill in for artists that don't have guitars. So if you ever hear a song with guitar in it from an artist like Ariana Grande or any pop artist that is exclusively a singer, um, then it's probably done by a session musician who, who works for the label. So pretty much, if you have an artist who's like, we have the fundamental bare bones of the track, we need somebody to fill in the empty spaces, they'd call me in and I'd play something over the track. And then it, you know, mix and master, and it go out. Are you familiar with Charlie Puth? Charlie Puth, yes, I am. Okay, well, his one song, uh, "Attention," that's a big hit. Mm. He he doesn't play the guitar, mm -hmm. but he knew the notes that he wanted to hear. Yeah, he, he wanted the song, pitch, so he yeah. played yeah, both. Yeah, he has perfect you know, pitch. Yeah. He can like hear notes and stuff. Yeah, and he but he just took the guitar and played it one by one, and then he just speeded up. It goes. But he just went da, 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 like that. Yeah, but those amazing. I'm not he's amazing. Artist. Oh, I like him. I love his voice. He's incredibly musically talented. Yeah. But those that you said, I mean, you know, Led Zeppelin, Pink Floyd, you know, those are. I mean, you can't get more solid than that, in my opinion. Dream Theater is definitely, you know, after talking to you, I did check them out, and I uh, like a lot of their stuff. But it's definitely not, they're definitely not a mainstream band. Like, if yeah. someone says, like, you're probably the only person I'll meet, and I say, what's your favorite band? You'd say Dream Theater. Of course, yeah. Uh, there's, they're very, I'll say this, their singer is not very, not the greatest. And that's, that's, he had a, an allergic reaction to some, some shellfish in the 90s, and sang the day after, and ruptured his vocal cords. He hasn't been the same since. Wow. But, um. It's so strange. It's terrible. But they refuse to replace him, and that's fine. 
because the bare bones of their band is music, and it's, you know, the instrumentals of their tracks are incredibly complex and incredible to listen to, I think. So that's why that's why I love, like them so dearly. Their bassist, Johnny Young, incredible bassist. Both of their uh, drummers in the past 10 years, Mike Portnoy and Mike Mangini, are their names. They're incredible kit players on the drum kit. Uh, Jordan Ruday is their keyboard player. They're, musically, they all graduated from Berklee College of Music. They all, like... They all, they're all just the peak of musical intelligence and musical fortitude in, I'd say, the metal sphere. They, um, but if you can't get past a bad vocalist, I would not recommend Dream Theater. <laughs> or I would recommend skipping around their tracks to, you know, some, some of the instrumental tracks. Mm. Yeah. I think that that's definitely... To have... It's one thing. There are some people who are just musically gifted who could just play anything. But what you do, you break down the mechanics of it a little bit more. The theory. Mm -hmm. Is that the term music theory? Yeah, that's the okay. term. So, but you also do have to play the melody to break it down. Not only are you intelligent in that field, but you also are very knowledgeable on the other one. And I feel like that's just a recipe for any good musician. And I feel like uh, what, what, what was the term of the, uh, of what you wanted to do? What do you call that? Oh, session musician. Session musician. I find no reason, I mean, you definitely have something. I find no reason why you can't accomplish that. But it's definitely different from just breaking down the mechanics of it and just playing music. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's, there's, there's people like the Ramones who knew nothing, like basically no music theory and still made hit records. Yeah. Nirvana, Green Day, really. I mean, yeah, their their songs are incredibly basic and incredibly popular. And there's nothing wrong with having a basic song. I loved Green Day. I loved Nirvana. Oh, I love Green Day. I still enjoy their music thoroughly. But the thing is, is as you grow this knowledge of music, dream. When I listen to Dream Theater, uh, the first time I listen to their tracks, it's less about listening to the music and more about being astounded by what they've done to me. So. Um, I'd say, again, if you don't know music theory, you're probably not going to enjoy Dream Theater too much. I'm not saying it's not possible, but I'm saying it's, it's very difficult to jump in headfirst into a band like that that's so, you know, bare bone, or really, uh, so based on complex music theory, which, um, of course, you can sit back and listen to it and enjoy it still. But um, what you were saying about um, knowing to play and knowing the theory behind what you play, they're... Um, I personally don't write very much music. I I will mm. I listen to other people's music and I'll play other people's music. That's what you know I enjoy. But yeah. going into session musicianing as a career path, you have to learn to do things such as um, improvising over tracks, learning key changes, things like that. And um, I auditioned for uh, the Allstate Jazz Band this year, and I had never done anything like that, and I jumped headfirst into it, and it was incredibly fun but incredibly difficult. So knowing the music theory and knowing how to implement it almost sets me back in a way from being able to properly, I guess, improvise and write because I feel like what I'm doing is wrong even if it sounds right, which is why you have bands like Nirvana and Green Day, which are hated by some people high up in the music <laughs> theory area because their music is so bare bones, but loved by people who can just sit back and listen to it because these people jumped in with no prior experience and just made music that worked. Right. And people, I guess some people are just jealous of it. 
I guess so. I think, like, I'm a huge Green Day fan as well. Especially recently, I've been listening to a lot of their stuff. But, when you, like, I could equate that even to myself in some ways. Like I've, like, I've always been a huge fanatic of music. I think it's just one of the most beautiful things. Such a beautiful way to communicate an idea as well in a unique way that you may not be able to get the message across in another. So, I can write... Obviously, I am a writer, so I know that I can write not a song. I can write something that I think would be lyrically a song. Mm -hmm. I might just have the words that I know, hey, that rhymes. Mm -hmm. But as far as I can say, oh, that's a beat. But I can't necessarily put the two and two together. Like, I, I, I don't see how, or at least right now, how I could put an entire song together. Just because if I can get the lyrics, I can't get... The, the music, musical. the yeah. musical, the instrumental, uh, the, the instrumental as well. So I feel like that's the big thing with people. But then you have Green Day, who I'm sure that the lead singer when he was writing that song or whoever wrote the song, was just writing from his heart and wasn't necessarily thinking, okay, I can put that and I can put the music in together because yeah. it's just a basic song. They're thinking we all play instruments, and we can write music, so we put it together. But what you're saying is that you can also put the instrumentals in as well, and the theory and the beats and the notes and the instruments and all that. Yeah, well, the human voice is very... It has such a range, not necessarily tonally, but rhythmically, because uh, to understand how to play an instrument is basically learning how to make the sounds that you make with your mouth with this piece of wood or piece of metal. And um, with the human voice, anybody can really do it. It might not, your pitch might not sound amazing, but rhythmically, your vocals will, uh, your vocals or the words you're speaking will still come out whichever way you want. That's how, if you listen to a song enough, you can sing it. You might not be perfect tonally, but you will be perfect rhythmically. But if you listen to a song on, you know, guitar and you try to pick up a guitar and play it, it's very different. So I think, it, I'd say, getting the vocals to mix to mesh with the instrumental is not the most daunting task when writing music. I think that's why you have so many gifted lyricists out, out there that whenever you get another person to write the instrumental and you do the lyrics, it can still sound amazing no matter mm. what. Definitely. I feel like that's where you would come in. Yeah. That's um, what the session musician uh, usually does. There's some, uh, Africa, or Africa, the band that plays yeah. Africa Toto, they're entirely session musicians, every single one of them. Clearly. Yeah. I did it's, not know that at all. Nobody really knows love any Africa. of the people in uh, Toda because, I mean, they're all unknown session musicians. Oh, so one, in one in my opinion, way. you know, session musician is just a, it's such a, people take it a lot for granted because, I mean, you don't really, can't have a lot of music without people coming in at concerts and doing certain things. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, like, a lot of part of music is, is a lot of session musicians playing, but without that, I mean, that's a big part of music, in my opinion. Yes, definitely. You can't. And people like, like you just named, Ariana Grande. You know, you don't see her up there playing the guitar or anything yeah. like that. So, especially on her new album, you notice. And I'm not an Ariana Grande fan, but I love the instrumentals on her new album. You can tell that that definitely was a session musician, that I was not Paul up there plucking with the guitar. Now, of course, there are a lot of the exceptions. You know, there's not very many session musicians in rap music, but there's still a lot of course. Them. 
like a Polo G rap star. That guy's not a session musician. He's just a popular ukulele player. Yeah. I mean, there's there's tons of examples of things like that. But I in in future music, because I feel like as we get farther and farther into this pop hemisphere, we're gonna slowly push out of pop and back into I'd say more rock music because we're in kind of an era now. You know, the '90s was grunge and stuff like that, but it was also the rise of rap. And then you know the '80s was rock, hair metal, things like that. The '70s was hard, like harder rock. So we've slowly gone farther and farther away from guitars and rock sounds and instrumentals, and more into the these bass-driven beat. You know, like uh, rap music, hip hop. And I think like uh, we'll talk a lot more about that in the next segment. And uh, I think that's a good place to wrap up the first one. All right, we'll be right back. Thank you. But yeah, music is definitely, all those bands that you've mentioned, I love. I would say, you give me my top three bands. Well, no, i tell you what, top five bands. I'm going to say, this may not be in order, but I'd say, you know, uh, Eagles will be up there, The Beatles, Boston, Johnny, Green Day. Where am I at? Four? Mm-hmm. And I would say... Uh, my mom, she's my mom's a huge classic rock fan, so she's probably yelling Kansas. one at me right now. Kansas, definitely Kansas. But yeah, my mom, she's she's probably she I'm probably not, she's just really screaming one at me that I forgot. I'm big on country music and rap music, that's about yeah. it. And I'm not really big on bands. Like it's really just for me solo artists. A lot of I kind of went through a phase I, when I was like eleven, maybe. Right. I I, I listened. I started listening to a couple songs because, like, growing up, like. My mom's old. My mom grew up in the 70s and 80s. Right. So it was one of those things where, like, she knew songs. Like, I remember when I was uh, three years old, she was singing uh, Staying Alive. Right. By the Bee I was like, our song that we'd like to sing before. Right. But I never heard that song. I thought she just made it up until I was, like, 10. You ever feel like, like, when I was a child, I used to think I was, like, I don't think, but I would act like I was in, in a music video while I was sitting there in the car when I was, like, three or four. I do that at almost 14. I, I do really? that now. I, I swear I do. I don't do that a lot. Yeah, I used to do that all the time. But yeah, so, and then I got I kind of dove into it a little bit more myself. And then uh, probably just a few months ago, my mom and I, we, we that's the one thing that's kind of brought us together is we, we talk about music a lot because we have similar tastes. She went and saw Johnny a bunch of times. She went and saw Kansas. I actually saw Kansas and, and Atlanta Blazers. Your, your brother's game. done, um, your brother went and saw people in concerts, hasn't he? He saw some more modern people. He saw yeah. Lil Wayne, Post Malone, Luke Bryan, Wayne. people like that. He Lil saw, Wayne. I've listened to like maybe one of his songs. I know. Uh, I know like half of one of his songs. When I think a little Lil Wayne. His voice is like. I see like a picture of him with all his tattoos and chains. Yeah. He's got his little inner bracelet. My dad on. can't stand him. He's got glasses <laughs> on. That's. I, I think of that picture every time. He was big like when we were born. Is when he was probably right. as big. He was in the early. Your dad would be the type to hate Lil Wayne. My dad would be the type to hate. A lot of people, yeah. but well, he just doesn't get it. It's the problem. He's weird. He is weird. He has a video. He is very he, weird. He's he very tries weird. to do a guitar solo. That's so really funny. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, I was watching like I was on TikTok and I was watching Tyga's TikToks. Oh my goodness! Is he the guy? He's like Kylie Jenner. I think so. Oh, he's in that. Oh wait, actually, oh I know no Tyga. Actually, like he's actually a really humble guy. I watched his uh, sneaker shopping video. He did. So, uh, he, no, he, he, I've he watched, was a jam guy. I've watched uh, some sneaker shopping videos. Did you watch Polo if you Shoes? Could, yeah, I did. If you could have any pair of shoes, what would you get? 
I would say right now, well, uh, DJ Khaled's Grateful Threes, or right. they are twenty five thousand dollars. I think you know mine. I say it all the time. They do. No, those are my favorite shoes. But um, I mean, if I could get now. any shoe in the world, it'd be the Dior's. Dior's. Or Travis Scott's. You want me? I'll buy you that three ball. Dior's. Dior's. Yeah. You buy me them. I will. You got thirteen thousand dollars. I don't really know much about no, shoes. Me neither. I went through a phase. Like, I'm wearing, like, Vans right now, but I got a pair of Air Forces for Christmas. I, I'm, I'm into, like, shoes. I I'm into jewelry a lot, too. Wear, like, I would only wear basketball player's shoes. Yeah. Guitar, guitars are just too expensive for me to have any other hobbies. That's the thing. <laughs> I, spend, I spend so much. I spend too much on guitar stuff. Yeah. They're way too expensive. Oh, they are. I mean, I was looking at one, my dream guitar. Like, the cheapest model I could find was about $2,500 for, like, the guitar that... that what is that guitar? Uh, it'd be a Music Man Majesty or a JP-15, which are both John Petrucci's signature guitars. But he has, I mean, he has... Like, your guitar stuff? How many do you have? Like, your I've hobby? I've had over the course of my... Because you've years, sold some, I know. I've had 16 total. Okay. I yeah. currently own, I think, 12. Uh, probably a little less than that. 12 or 11. But, um, like, you... Your expensive hobby would be guitars. My expensive hobby would be baseball gloves. You know what mine is? They're so expensive. You know what mine is? I've been looking at what? Clothes. Wait, Clothes. hold on. Go on to what you were saying. Like baseball gloves? You can spend a fortune in academy just buying a bat. Like bats are range Good bats are like 250 to to $1,000 sometimes. Yeah. And um, But baseball gloves, you got to get good leather. And I've been watching a lot of videos on them, but really mine... Top three gloves are Wilson A2000, Wilson A2K, and uh, any raw, or the, um, sorry, uh, I'm trying to think. What What's the price range on a glove? 275 to Shoo! 600. See, you know what's awful? I played baseball for three years, and all those gloves you mentioned, I'd never, I did, I, I, like, it's not like when you said that, I went, ooh, I didn't really understand it. And, uh, yeah, it would either be A2000, A2K, or... Any Rollins gold glove? Well, I'll say I'll say this. I don't I don't mean to overshadow your baseball gloves, but um, our good guitar cost about as much as a car does. Yeah. At least for a tour. No, no, but a like all my hobbies, they're not yeah. like that expensive. We're I was gonna say I'm not. Uh, be expensive. It'd be I'm saying they got you know hundred thousand dollar cars. Are they hundred thousand guitars? Uh, they, I was looking at one earlier today that was three hundred fifty grand. Oh, how nice. It was owned by Jimi Hendrix, but the, the oh, well, that makes sense. The, non, like, the most like non-famous guitars are probably probably sell around a hundred grand for a nineteen, probably fifty, late fifties, early sixties Gibson would be about a hundred grand. You ever think about like the stock market ever crashing? Is you mean like that? last year? Well, there's, yeah, there's, think like, about that like all the time. Crashing reality and everybody months. pulls out their money and all these businesses. Well, there's actually you, you don't no people don't do that anymore because bank runs happened and. Um, yeah. Bank runs just happened during the Great Depression, where people would run in and take all their money out, and it would crash the stock market even more. But I mean, the Great Depression was originally caused by poor foundations, uh, over speculation. Uh, Coach Moore would be so mad at me right now. I can't remember any of any of this. Uh, but um, there's over speculation and over reliance on credit and um, overspending were the three things that led to the Great Depression, and generally, we haven't seen that unless it was like. It happened on purpose with the with the big short that happened in the housing market because big banks purposely, you know, screwed over their clients to yeah. uh, to make to make money off of it, which is you know it happens, it sucks. There's not much you can do about it as a small you know small 
small little speck on their large corporation. Right. Yeah. I know, and, like, back to what you said, my, my one thing, and I'll get right back to that, but the thing, I like to collect pretty much any kind of clothes, any kind of shoes, watches. Like, I have probably six watches, and I like those. I eventually, I've decided, I, by the time I die, if I end up, if I am successful enough, I would like to own a Rolex. Because right. I saw a guy that uh, had a Rolex the other day at a baseball game, mm-hmm. and I was like, that's awesome. Like, like, I, like I said something about it, and I and I like one thing I do. Like, I love just going to people. Hey, that's a nice hat. Or hey, that's a nice shoes. I walk up to them, and I was just waffling at it. Right. I mean, that's like. For, I mean, I'm that's not really much. big on watches. Like, if I get a watch, probably the Apple Watch. I, yeah. I don't. I'm not but a huge fan like, of Apple Watches. Like, they're too boring. Not, no, I, I think they do a lot. They I do think a lot of design stuff. Design-wise, they're very sleek and like uh, overly practical. In some ways, they have no fashion to them, but they're meant to be worn with anything. But I mean, yeah. if, like, if I was wearing a suit, I'd probably get a Rolex. Yeah. I'm wearing, like, for the event I was telling you about that, I'm wearing a suit. I'm going to wear, you know the one I wore to church this morning, the blue one? Right. With the stainless steel? Right. That's what I'm wearing. It's, oh, man, it's going to be going on. But, I just think the practicality of an Apple Watch is just unmatched by most other watches. Explain I mean, that. you can do so much stuff with it. It's the same way, like, uh, if I if I was going to get, you know, I feel like, mm, I feel like if I was going to get, um, you know, the, the taste for manual versus digital, digital is just so much more useful nowadays. Yes, but anything. it depends what you use it for. Like, when I watch it, I'm, I'm using it as more of an accessory to yeah. look nice, and, you know, I usually like to know what time it is because... Yes, Daniel. One thing that I really don't like is if I don't know what time it is. Yeah. So I'll so I'll I'll use that. But one thing that I do find and a little bit preposterous is when you have people like not to throw him under the bus, although he is kind of a character, uh, DJ Khaled, who spends he he I watched his uh video his uh collection of uh, watches, and he had one. It was the Patek Felipe Nautilus, but when you Google that price. It was, I believe, it was one hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars for one in mint condition. That's ridiculous. It is, but think about like. I'll say this: a watch is is not worth one hundred seventy-five thousand. Yeah, um, think about what you could do with one hundred seventy-five five thousand dollars. Think about all you could do most, other than buy a watch. You could buy most cars on the market right now. Exactly. You could buy my dream car, which is a Mercedes AMG SLS, but. Doesn't mean most people know about that. If I could yeah. have a dream car, like I think we were talking about this the other day, I'd probably get a Audi R eight. Audi R eights are cool. They're good cars, but they're just the thing is, is you gotta or a McLaren. A lot of expensive cars require a lot of upkeep. Um, right. So you're gonna spend more time with it in the shop than you are gonna drive it. And right, that's, right. That's why I like what I drive. I mean, I drive a, a nice Honda Accord. It's got all the bells and whistles on it, but it's just like you do have a nice car. I mean, yeah. I mean, of course, I spend a large amount of time cleaning it, but that's just—I have a compulsion to clean my car. I think that's just good stewardship. Exactly. But you know, I mean, are there any cars you hate? Yes. I hate. Um, I tell you what, Jeep trucks. There are a lot of cars Jeep I hate. I, I think Jeep trucks get a bad rap, but I hate them. Okay, not necessarily by vans or style, stupid. but if you have a green or yellow car. No, a bright green or yellow core. I kind of... I do not like you. I kind of... I do not... Well, I like you, but I strongly yellow, disagree with your taste Bright yellow... There's some cars that look pretty nice in a bright yellow car. I like Japanese sports cars, and bright yellow Japanese yeah. sports cars I think look pretty good. 
the there's a the dream car I was talking about the Mercedes SLS AMG love that car. It I just hate I hate blue cars. The electric model came in a bright green for yep. a lunar mass time, and it looks great. Have, have you seen Elon Musk's Cybertruck? Yeah, that yeah. Thing, it's supposed in to my opinion, it looks like a bunch of squares and triangles put together. Now, here's the thing: that thing will outpull any Ford. You you put it up. Yeah, it will. The amount of torque it has because it has four separate engines for each wheel. Yeah. Which are you know? I was looking at like this parking, like this car that Japan's coming out with, and like Japan. The wheels, Japan always has the cool they stuff. They have the, with the toilets. Crap. Like the car, though, you like whip it in, you like hit a button or something. And like you don't have to park it; it literally turns your wheels. Yeah, that's like at a ninety degree angle and like moves it in for you. Oh, uh, you're talking about that. That was that was a concept car. The I think you're talking about the, I think it was the Genesis, the Mercedes. Genesis. Something like that. It was a new car, but um, my dream car was the Mercedes Maybach GLS six hundred. I thought your dream car was a, uh, Suburban. A I changed my mind. I can do a little bit better than that. I think. I think mine is supposed to be a little. I think your dream car is supposed to be a little bit. Realistically. But like, if I wanted to in twenty years, I'd like to think I can buy that. I can buy a suburban. But realistically, as as, realistically, what would be your dream car? Realistic. Well, I love my uh, Ford Explorer I have now. Right. But either that or a uh, GMC suburban. I like the GMC Denali's. Uh, my brother has a G. What is it? A GMC SL. Sierra. A Sierra SLT. How did you know that? And I didn't. Anyway, I, bad luck on me. Yeah. Um, but that's amazing. I love, I love, look, if I could have a realistic car, car-wise, it'd probably be a Jeep uh, Wrangler. But, um, which I, I do understand you do spend a lot of time in the shop with it. Yeah. And I've been doing a little bit of research on that. But, truck-wise, I would probably end up getting a... Uh, I would always be fine with a Ford F one fifty, a two fifty, but um, you know, really, I I really like the Silverados with a nice list. Yes, I used on to it. like when I okay, the funny story when I was like, if you had asked me this when I was nine years old, you know what I would have said? What? I said uh, I, and this is just me being a weird fourth grader, but if you had asked me, I would have said I was like a huge fan of the Chevy Malibu. Oh, that's what I said. That's ex that's what I say when I think about that. The new and um, I went around saying I love Chevy Malibu. You should see. Like I went home. Better than the Cruze. The Chevy Cruze is probably one of my. Oh, yeah. I know cars. a kid. That one and the Kia Soul are up there. It's pretty terrible cars. I know a kid yeah. who goes to our church. Exactly. And um, if you ask him right now, I'm pretty sure what his dream car is. He would say, a Toyota Camry. Really. Hey, want, that was me once. I want the new, there's a Toyota H, I think. I don't remember the exact name of it, but it's something like that. And it runs on hydrogen. Toyota trucks get a bad rep, in my opinion. Some of them aren't half bad. Like Some the old Tacomas. I know somebody's got an old Tacoma, and it just yeah. it runs. Yeah. I love it. Um, I, would, hey, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't complain with a Nissan Altima, either. Yeah, or, uh, I like those. I love, <laughs> and you know, on the second episode, I believe, we, uh, Kind of cracked on Elon Musk a little bit. Oh. But, I mean, there's no doubt he's brilliant. He's one of the smartest people smart. on the planet. He's just kind of weird, in my opinion. Well, yeah. he has Asperger's. Well, he does? Probably refer to <laughs> exactly. It. Probably shouldn't refer to it as Asperger's anymore. It's not even called Asperger's. It is? No, Asperger was a Nazi. And the name, it's named after, um, pretty much he would take autistic Jewish people and experiment on them. Wonderful. And he gave he, de he determined that they had something called Asperger's, which we don't even call it Asperger's anymore. I don't remember what it's called, but it's just a mild form of autism. He has it. 
Yeah, Elon, Elon Musk, Musk is a malformed autism. We talked about it last night on Saturday Night Live. I didn't watch it last night. I, I, I or the other one of those. I watched things. the clips. No, it was last night that he had it. I just didn't. Yeah, I remember somebody talking about the Sunday school. His ability. They invested in Dogecoin, and then they were looking. Oh man! They were waiting well, for the he, thing to come sorry, on so everybody it, it was it. stupid for him to invest on right because it's gonna drop. Yes, yeah, I, I, I would have invest, waited maybe Tuesday know, to um, do that. Someone in my Monday, family Sunday, invested Monday. in. It was this thing, and it wasn't popping up, but it said Chuck H O. And um, it said Chuck's H O. He's thinking, okay, it's about to say Chuck's hot dogs, and he was like, it's about to shoot up. So then he calls his friend, and he goes, hey, um, I just invested in this. He's like, dude, that ain't hot dogs. That's a vaping company that you just invested in. <laughs> so he pulls all it out, and then like. I think like two days later or something like shot up or something. Can I be honest with you? Well, Whoever this, and this relative must be a better man than I am because if I had known that it was going to shot up, I totally would have stayed in. I mean, I know that's not the best way to make money. He didn't money. know. Like he he just pulled it out, just thinking. I would have stayed yeah. in though. I mean, I think that if I would invest anything, I was you invested in GameStop like last year, didn't you? And I did. Just, I, said went, I, I said oh. I would. I said I would. You said something about you did invest in GameStop. No, I didn't. I would. I said. I mean, I can I invest in the stock market at my age? Not until you're eighteen. That's what I thought. Yeah, I wish if, if, I, I, could, if I could, I, I, I would. Anything? I would. My brother, he uh, plays around a lot in that. He actually does pretty well with it. Right. Well, just be aware; it's a dangerous field to play. Well, it's very dangerous. Yeah, I'll. I'll. I probably end up investing in Tesla or Dogecoin. Well, like that's that. what I'm no, saying. It's too late. It's too late to invest in Tesla. Well, what do you think about? Uh, you know, as we're talking about cars, what do you think about Elon Musk's Tesla as the way he has kind of uh, re-revolutionized, well, maybe not re-revolutionized, I was, I was like, the, the way he has made it to the way he has designed this, I guess you would say, breed, of course. Uh, the new, well, I'll say this, old Teslas had a lot of issues. You could tell they were designed in California for use in California because any amount of snow that you had that piled up on your Tesla would fall into your trunk when you opened the trunk. There just wasn't a good lift on it, but they recalled it and they fixed it. But uh, I think Tesla is, it gets a bad rap in places like South Carolina uh, and you know the South because I think a lot of people think, God, these darn electric cars, what are we gonna do? Um, they just think they're a new fancy trend that's gonna go away and that they're stupid. But Tesla's- Well, that's pretty futuristic. Yeah, Teslas save a lot more, um, Teslas save a lot of their money by spending less on engines and more on luxury. Do you think we could, um, we could start? Which I was doing research on this for class, and for a paper. Do you think we could start converting the world into uh, renewable energy, like hydroelectricity and wind? We definitely don't have. We have too large of a population to sustain. I was I was doing like the research green. and stuff, and it said um, scientists are saying twenty forty six. It's not only affordable, but it's also possible that we could go straight to renewable energy. With our current infrastructure, Solar it's going to be basically impossible to just flip it. Like yeah, switch. like that. But, but we just slowly um, have to convert. I think nuclear energy. Is I mean, that would be a while before you could even yeah. get close to. Do that. I think nuclear energy is our best bet. And then this is because people have demonized nuclear energy for so long, and it's really. I'm not. I'm not. A, I, I don't have a problem with it. Yeah, a lot of but a lot of a lot of people who have their hands in the pockets of coal companies are um are you know they demonize nuclear energy, and it's really annoying because if you look at thorium, which is probably the best bet we have, thorium is more reactive than uranium. It's more. Uh, right. 
stable than uranium. It's more abundant than uranium. It's more safe to mine than uranium. It's, um, or sorry, not, yeah, uranium? Yeah, uranium. My social studies teacher was given a bad rep to uh, nuclearity. He was talking about uranium. He was just saying all this bad stuff about it. He was talking about Chernobyl. Well, I mean, you can't. Uranium, uranium it's bad. not something you want to ingest. Yeah, that's what he was saying. He was like, um, you don't want to ingest uranium. He was just saying, you know, the stuff about... Like, they open places with uranium How in the we, water. We shouldn't, we shouldn't use nuclear energy. We should not use uranium. We should use thorium. That's what I'm saying. But yeah. he wasn't, he wasn't, really he wasn't suggesting me, anything other than Let uranium. me explain. Let me explain, I guess, this. There's a great video on it by a guy named Sam Amelia. And um, so, basically, thorium is more abundant than uranium, so it's easier to find. It's not it's less reactive than uranium. So it, Or, sorry, not less reactive. It's less pollute. It's less of a pollutant than yeah. uranium, so it's safer to mine. It is cleaner than uranium, so it's safer to use. And it's a catalyst. It's not a, uh, you know, it when the way uranium works, whenever it starts to react, it starts to overheat if you let it go too high. And then it's a chain reaction you can't stop. Now, thorium, however, needs plutonium to, um, to give off nuclear energy. So if thorium starts to get too hot and it starts to overreact, you just take away the plutonium and there's no more, you know, cascading effect and no right. more nu uh, nuclear meltdowns. In theory, if it works, I mean, not even in theory, if in proper execution. But uh, so you have no Three Mile Islands and no Chernobyls if you properly utilize thorium. Right. So the de it, it's just m so much of a better idea than coal. Because I think it was like one, one kilogram or sorry, I'll, I'll just use one metric ton of thorium is like the equivalent of like 200,000 metric tons of coal. Right. And it's cleaner. It does, it does, it's much better for the environment. Yeah. It, I mean, it's just miles better. You know, but, I think we need to do all, and you know, I'm sure those people listening, I know who's listening. I, I know those people who might disagree with me. You know, that's my, but I feel like we need to do what's, I feel like it's important to have the environment in mind. Yeah. I don't feel like it's a bad thing, you know, people to care for the environment. I feel like the people who say that are so associated, or not, maybe not associated, or based off of what they hear have, I guess, demonized caring for the environment in some ways. Yeah, I mean, it's... And being mindful of what we're putting out in it and taking care of the but planet I feel that like, God's given. I feel given. like people are saying... Now, that. now, I do believe it's been hijacked for uh, purposes that aren't right, and I believe, and I disagree with aspects of it. But I do feel like it's really important to take people, care of the environment. I, I feel think, like as we've all... I think people are believing that they have to change their whole lives. That's what they're trying to... Do. universal issues have become too partisan. Right. Exactly. Right. You hit it. You hit it. I think... Exactly. Um, a large part of it is, you know... Some people don't want to change. Some people want to change too much. And we need to find a happy medium. And I think that um, people can agree on large portions of some things, but the fact that their, you know, let's just say party disagrees with it means yeah. that immediately they want to disagree with it. Right. Exactly. Because you can have no more happy medium. That's the problem. Kind of, that's kind of my problem. With and, and, I, and I would say that that's... That's both sides. But what I say, everything in moderation. Like, like I'm very comfortable with moderation. Yeah. Because you can't get too extreme on it. Yeah, I mean, I'm, very, I'm very comfortable moderation. with normalizing stuff. What? Well, I'm very comfortable with normalizing everything. You know what, what do you mean? mean? I mean, like, well, problems that aren't necessarily needed and essential to be brought up. 
think people should just normalize that. Elaborate a little bit more. I mean, you have like multiple no people when we could be worrying about other things. They're bringing up the stuff that you know doesn't even matter, just to start arguments and stuff. Like we could just normalize that, and we would just have to worry about the stuff that actually matters, in my opinion. Huh. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't understand what you're saying. Well, but I think he's just overall you, saying that we should stop things that could be approached bipartisanly should be approached bipartisanly. I think yes. needless division is a bad thing. Of course, always. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. Like, okay, stuff, I'm sorry. Just okay, I'm not saying. Like yeah, stuff that's like, it's a danger in 2073. We don't have to start worrying about that now. Well, well I mean, I think it's be mine. No, I get what. No, but like stuff like 2073, but we got problems going on now. I think we should just focus on that and then get to that when we have to. I think... Um, I would rather give 100% to this right now and pay attention to that and make sure it's not going bad than give 50% to this and 50% to something that's not affecting us at the moment. But what well, happens, there is stuff that is affecting us. What happens when the risk is great and like... Then we have if we to don't split. take immediate action, things get worse. Exactly. Then we have to split it up. But I'm talking exactly. about the stuff that like in 2076, it's not going to affect us until like 10 years maybe before that. Just shut up about it until that time. Yeah. Well, well, you should be okay. Well, no, I'm I mean, not saying I do don't think, be I do mindful think, of it. Okay, because that's what I'm saying. I mean, if I know that, if I know something's gonna happen we, in I, 2063, and it's gonna get worse at this moment in time, okay, let me help this at the moment, and uh, we'll talk about it. But I don't think we should take immediate action unless it's hurting us. Immediately. Think about it like a core point. What if you're driving down the road and the check engine light comes on? You realize what the problem is, but you know that it's not really going to affect your core well, no. until later. Well, no. Here's the thing. It's not, Why wait no, like, Same that? thing with the gas light. You know, if your gas light comes on, you don't have to get gas immediately. You look at your miles. You see how much you have left. Okay, at this moment, I need to start worrying about looking around where I need to get gas. But at this moment, I yeah. can still focus on Well, that this. depends how much gas you have left. Exactly. Okay. Which is where we start to see, you know, the issue. Is, should yeah. you worry about your gas light or your engine catching on fire if your engine's on fire? Yeah. Engine. Really, engine. Obviously the engine. Yeah. So there's more pressing issues than, you know, that was a good in analogy. the metaphor than the gas, I guess, would yes. be what we're thinking. And I think that's a pretty good way to end up the uh, second segment. I think we can keep going a little bit. We can, yeah. We'll do that in the third segment. See you. But yeah, I do definitely think that... You want to be mindful of things. Just like he said with, uh, with what Daniel said earlier. I totally agree with that. Uh, I didn't quite understand what he was saying. But I definitely, now that I do, I, you I get it. You get now what I was talking about normalizing. I do. Because you, you said that on like uh, the second episode. And I was like, okay. Because one thing normalizing I never want to do. stuff, I have a lot of opinions. Yeah. There's a lot of ways I can say normalizing stuff. Because when you say normal, you know, what I think, you know what I think normalizing? What? I think of... And this is an abstract way to put it. I think uh, pineapple on pizza. Right. Normalize it, make that a thing. Well, of course you have pineapple on pizza. Yeah. Whereas right now you say pineapple on pizza, you go, ugh. Yeah, I, do, I don't like that. Personally. Yeah, I don't. I do think, uh, one thing, I'm, I'm, into, uh, I'm into astronomy mm. a lot and astrophysics and the galaxies. That's probably, that's one of the fields of science that I do like. Mm. I just finished, uh, I just graduated eighth grade. I uh, did physical science last year, this year. I was not a fan of that at all. Right. Didn't find it interesting at all. But when I did do that thing, I, I do a lot of independent research. I've been a lot on astrophysics. If you're, are you familiar with uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson? Yeah. I watch him a lot. Also, uh, Brian Keating. He's probably my favorite astrophysicist 
And, uh, he's the British one, right? Brian Keating? No, yeah. so he's American. He's Jewish. And he had one thing that I watched. And if you don't know, I'm writing a book right now. It's called The Wife Actor. It should be, which I'm, I, I'm pretty much bent on publishing it in 2023. But we'll talk way more about that. I have much more work to do. But one thing, like, I'm just going to say this to you. In, in the book, it's basically, I have a whole defense on why there is a universe. Yeah. Right. And here's what I think. When you have people, like, one thing I talk about, you may have seen this clip. Uh, Ricky Gervais yeah. and uh, Stephen Colbert were de- uh, debating, debating on his... Yeah. Do, do, have you watched that video? I've seen the clip. I don't remember so it. I, so I have a whole chapter about that. And this is something that I didn't like because Stephen Colbert... He goes, why is there something instead of nothing? And Lucas Ovea says, that makes no sense. The question, why is irrelevant? It's how. He said that. Mm. And whenever he said that, my mind went, psh. Because I feel like that's a big problem that they say. Why? It's not why, it's how. Why and how. You can't have a how unless you have a why. And you can't have a how unless you have a why. So what I said, what I wrote in my book was, if you have... If you have no why, right. you have no reason. When I ask, when I say, why did you do that? You give me a reason. That is reason. If you do away with that, you have no reason. You have no reason. You have no meaning. You have no meaning. You have no logic. And then I feel like that's just a pretty unstable way to live. I think, if, I'm, I'm a fan of Ricky Gervais. But, I am too. Um, I just disagree with atheism. I think what he was saying is less an argument of... Um, it's just an argument of there there doesn't need or the how explains a lot. It's more of without a cognizant creation or cognizant creator, there is no why because there is no reason behind a a non a non I'd say I'm trying to think of the word. There's no reason behind a non-thinking like creation. Right. If you get it. So I think what he was saying is the question I'm gonna the, I think what he was saying was I'm not gonna answer to you why I think this way I'm gonna give you how this is proven. But Victor Gervais, I mean, I agree with you that uh, that um, in general conversation you cannot have a reason without a way and you can't have a way without a reason. But I think in 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 you know devil's advocate in his exactly. defense I think. He was not proposing it as my my reason or my way will give you my reason. Uh, I think he was saying, I don't need a reason because I have this. But uh, Ricky Gervais, I mean, he has multiple bits about... Yes, kind of he's brilliant, yeah, but I just find that if he did say his exact quote was, why is he relevant? Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. just simply not true. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you, but I'm just trying to, you know... In his defense, it's it's uh, a lot of comedians are great thinkers, and a lot of comedians are atheists. It's a strange exactly. Field. I think it's because comedy comes from pain. Large think, amounts of it. A lot it of, does. A lot of co- comedians. I know some comedians who are like really. Some are like idiots, on stage, some. but off the stage. I mean, you get to know them as a person. Like they can be really smart, and some of them they're just like. Intelligent all the way around. Intelligent all the way around, and some of them are just like. They don't know nothing. That's probably some just, of my... That's my forte. I'd say. I don't, see... I'm not a fan of stupid comedy. 
And this is, I'm oh, like, no, yeah, me don't. neither. But I, what I'm I loved Tom Segura's stuff. Okay, yeah. I love the way he presents his bits. And I love Dave Chappelle just in general. How he, <laughs> I'm, about to get, I'm about to say something about Dave. Yeah. I just, Burt Kreischer, he's kind of more of a, in my opinion, he has some stupid comedy. But I I'm think he's it's excellent. Fault. It's excellent. Oh, it's hilarious. The way he you know, brings it along and the way he explains it. Well, they're all students from the same person in in a way. Because they're all, um, God, now the name's leaving. George Colin? No, 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 no. Um, well, I'd say, yeah, this, George Colin, for example, they're all, I guess, uh, you know, generational versions of comedians from the past. Tom Segura is the new Bill Burr. Bill Burr right. has not gone, gone anywhere, but... Bill Burr's one of my favorites. Tom yeah, Segura has filled in the personality of Bill Burr. You okay. get what I'm saying? Bill Burr is a jerk in his bits. He is. Yeah. He's a jerk. He's kind of... Well, he's not necessarily... He is a rash person. He's from what? Baltimore? Boston. Boston. Boston, Massachusetts. Yeah. He's a horrible accent. cold and angry. Yes. Joe Rogan has a bit about it. It's great. But, um... Joe Rogan's comedy is very underrated in my opinion. I agree. But, uh, Joe Rogan's brilliant. But with Bill Burr, Bill Burr is a brash, aggressive person. Tom Segura has seen that. He toured with Bill for uh, an extended period of time. He's again a brash person in his bits. He's a jerk. He doesn't care. Yeah. And uh, right. Tom or not Tom Segura. My opinion, is, but has, neither of them have no filter. All like my you can't have a filter. Have have no filter. Can't have filter. <laughs> but I'd say they're they're adaptations. No, like in my opinion, some of comedians that I personally don't really like have like a filter. Like they don't go to a certain extent. Like they'll they'll touch on it, but then they won't they won't go to full. They won't grasp fully everything. Like they. They're, some of the comedians are afraid to offend people, but my favorite comedians, which is a lot of comedians, just they 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 like to offend people, in my opinion, in their bits, which is hilarious. You know, this is one thing that I think. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, just uh, sorry, but um, I guess all all I'm talking about is not necessarily the extent they go to, because most comedians nowadays go to the same places in their bits. They um, not that they have similar bits, but that their bits go to a similar. Place. Direction, yeah, uh, right. but like Bert Kreischer and Tom Segura, the difference is Tom Segura makes other people the butt of his joke, and Bert usually makes himself Self the butt of the joke. joke. Right. Which is, um, a, 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 Bert is a compassionate comedian, Tom Segura is not, and that's why they work so well together. Right, it's because Tom Segura makes fun of Bert, and Bert makes fun of himself, and it's amazing, it's great chemistry, it works so well together. But I still, there's so many different directions because. Chappelle takes all those directions and puts them together. Yeah. He's the idiot in some of his jokes. He's, you know, he's making fun of other people in some of his jokes. I mean, it's just generally... Sometimes he's making fun of a group of people. Yeah. Right. He does it all, pretty much. Yeah. His alphabet thing, that's like one of my favorite bits. His OJ bit is one of my favorite bits. Yeah. The juice, you know. Yeah. Yeah, the juice. One thing I love, and and, and this is, I didn't even mean for this to happen, but this is something that I did kind of want to touch on. Comedy is an art, obviously. Comedians are artists. Yeah. So, and and whether it be a comedian, whether it be a guitarist or, or a rock singer, whether it be a rapper, whether it be a painting, whether it be a painter, whether it be those kind of people, when their work comes straight from the heart with so much emotion and passion, passion like comedians do, like musical artists do, they are always the deepest people. Mm-hmm. Whether it be like and like um 
Like, speaking of Dave Chappelle, I don't know. It only came out a couple of days ago. Did you get the chance to watch Joe Lo- uh, Dave Chappelle on Joe Rogan last week? I didn't. Week? I saw it. I've been looking forward to it. It's it I watched it. it. Yeah, it, it's phenomenal. It's He's so brilliant. They didn't even – they got into comedy, but it wasn't like one of those podcasts where they just go on their own cut up. It, it was so intellectual. It was yeah. phenomenal. That's why, uh, I mean, a lot of them are witty and intelligent. And I'm yes. uh, one of my favorite comedians. Of, uh, I've you know, loved this comedian since eighth grade, but he hasn't put out anything since five years. Is Bo Burnham. And he just recently yeah. announced a new, a new special. And I'm hoping he goes on the Joe Rogan experience and talks about that. But Bo Burnham is a, um, incredibly witty, uh, well-timed. He's a comedian where instead of adoring the flaws in his bits and the time in between, he makes every moment count. And you adore the, um, or sorry, you admire and are kind of entranced by the precision of his jokes. Because every time, I mean, I've listened to uh, one of his jokes in three separate ways. I've listened to the live version, his studio recorded version, and a version he recorded at his house like 10 years ago. And each one, you can see the progression of the precision in which he does his bit and the reaction he gets from the audience. And the amount of time they spend working on these bits is incredible. I mean, if you look, I was, I was an avid, avid listener of the Two Bears One, one, uh, one K Cave. podcast. I love that podcast. A good, yeah, bit of, a good bit of, for a good bit of time. Definitely. I've kind of recently stopped listening. But he talks about building up this new entire set list for an hour. And he's so bad until you get these moments where you click, where the audience has... You know, uh, originally, we, me and Camden, we... We went off a few podcasts that we wanted to model, or we actually just, we felt really passionate that they're really great podcasts, and we would love to, you know, kind of follow in their footsteps in a way. Like, Joe Rogan's podcast, um, the Joe Rogan experience, we think is, uh, me and him both think it's just an amazing podcast. You know what what I find funny? How I kind of got, because it was a while when you didn't like it. I really didn't like Joe Rogan. But then I started listening to his Also, talk, this stuff. isn't as near as popular as that, but talk about that with uh, John Drivon, and Johnny W. That's kind of why I, I would, I consider Daniel a Johnny W. I consider myself a John Drivon easily. Uh, if you don't know, if you're not familiar with that podcast, I strongly encourage you to check it out because it's phenomenal. But definitely that. Um, that's one thing I love is just having conversations, especially when you have intelligent people on, like yourself, but also... Um, I feel like that's what art is. Yeah, it's uh, and I think art is so much better when um, I think whenever it's two artists working together. That's why I love collaboration so much, mm. and I think bands are incredible. And I think un- seeing how these people mesh together to create new ideas is like the, how we get new art. And I think that's what's so important. And I think that's why division is such an issue because if you can't even work outside of your you know, if you are divided on one issue and you can't even work in a different area together, that's completely separated from the issue. I think that's an issue. It is. That's an issue. That's an issue within an issue. Yeah, it's an it's issue a lot of issues. exception. But um, I just think, I mean, these comedians, the amount of time they spend on it to watch these results is incredible. And I'm so excited for the new Bo Burnham. Uh, it's good to come out. He is a musical comedian. Was, was he on America's Got Talent at one point? I don't believe so. For some reason, I thought... He was a very prominent YouTuber. Is it Bo or Bone? Bo. B-O. Okay, I'm thinking someone else then. But, but he, uh, yeah, no, I mean, like, he, he spends at least, I mean, his For two, some reason, I feel like he was in, like, a movie, a movie or something. He, he, he's in a lot of movies now. He took a large break from comedy to do a movie. 
But uh, his specials, each one took three years in between. And the current specials, uh, Tom Segura has four specials from 2013 to 2017. Wow. I mean, it's, it's a 20... I thought it was... Didn't he have one that came out 2019? 2016. It's like 2013, 2015, 2016, 2018, 2018 and then 2020. Yeah, and it's a very... It's, it's got a very tight schedule. But, I mean, I just... And he's doing three podcasts. Well, yeah. two podcasts. Bolt does well, three. He, he, he does, does your mom's he does house. Three, he does your mom's house, Two Bears, One Cave, and his Spanish podcast. Yeah. That's right. But, he has a Spanish podcast? Yeah, it's yeah, very good. He speaks Spanish. It's, that's right. Well, I mean, but, you have to speak Spanish. Well, no, I read the captions. It's very oh, funny. Okay. But, um... I think, like... I think what me and Camden... And I don't know if we talked about this before, but I've kind of wanted to go into, like... And I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast, but eventually we want to get, like, cameras up where you can That's actually definitely see us. Get, um, multiple Probably not me right now. We're on a Seinfeld know, t-shirt that's right. talking sad. But, you know, <laughs> and you went on a cutoff, but, you know. Yeah, like, all this stuff, we want to upgrade it, but we eventually want to get, like, some editors in and, um... Get like videos and reactions to some videos during the podcast, like you see in Two Bears and your mom's house and stuff like that. Well, this obviously isn't... different kind of videos, yeah. but you know, <laughs> that's funny. Um, this is definitely an art itself. Podcasting, I, I mean, yeah. it's I mean it's very I mean, I... it's it's similar to um, I'd say it's like in my opinion, it's like that interview I saw with Morgan Wall and this guy. Ask him about his movies. Like every day, I wake up and I'm like, "Dang, man, I got a mullet." Like every day, I wake up and I'm like, "Dang, man, I start a podcast." You know what I mean? Yeah. It's very similar to uh, painting, I'd say in a way. Podcasting right. is because you're just kind of if you make a mistake, just go on the run. Just keep going. Yeah. But um, there's a I know this is completely random, but there's an art in Japan where you take a piece of pottery that's been broken and you fill in the cracks with some like gold filament and it creates new art out of it and I think that's a great analogy for I mean life right uh, in pretty much anything Everything. you do now and isn't that just like our God we really want to get into more now I don't and I don't mean to over spiritualize things like that but that, that that's kind of what God does too you know yeah yeah I mean it's just you take the broken pieces you put them back together and it makes it better than it was it's, right uh, it's that's what people do with other people yeah I mean uh, but back to comedy I guess um if I was going to give three, because I saw y'all did that uh, the, like, did. a couple of days ago, I'd say... Um, on the podcast or on the... Just in general? I believe it was the podcast. Okay. We've but, done it um, both times. Have, have you listened to the Thought time. episode? That uh, was from last week? I think week? I have, yeah. That, I listened to a couple of them yesterday. That was by far the best. Go ahead. But um, I think my top it. three, uh, Dave Chappelle is just a reincarnation of... Um, Richard Pryor? Uh, Richard Pryor. That's what I was thinking of earlier. It's just Richard Pryor reincarnated. He's right. he's got all the skills. He's got the execution of it. It's incredible. So I'd say Dave Chappelle. I'm not gonna rank them in order because I don't, I don't really have an order. Yeah. Dave Chappelle is the pinnacle of what classic comedy is and what it probably should be in the future. I'd say you have uh, my personal favorite, um, who um, just one I don't think is um, objectively the best, but one that I love. Is Tom Segura. I just like his sense of humor. It's yeah, great. Yeah, me too. And uh, I think the best new style of comedian, the most influential in, not necessarily influential, the most innovative and the most creative is Bo Burnham because he's found an entire new genre of comedy. You're going to have to check him out because I don't... He's, he's incredible. Now, he's he was, very nice. Be aware, he um, he's not... Um, he, his bits are very off the cuff, very... Not necessarily off the cuff, but they kind of come out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, 
They're very surprising. In my yeah, opinion. like there's, I mean, so you'll you'll be watching one second. You really gotta pay attention when you watch it. His bits or his comedy is like. He's around the stage a lot. You know, it's yeah. just all. You gotta be very, in my opinion, you gotta be intelligent to watch it. To get or, a lot of and to very to really enjoy stuff. it. To appreciate it and to enjoy it the most, you gotta be, my opinion. I watched. Very uh, intelligent. Speaking of. Dave Chappelle. Dave Chappelle's genius, in my yeah, opinion. He's very intelligent. He well, back had... to what you were saying. What is your top three? Well, hold on. I'll say that, and then I'll give my top three. Yeah. Dave Chappelle, one thing. I Actually, today, I watched his one. He, it was from... Forgetting the title. It was from... He recorded on... Well, it was on YouTube, February 18th of this year, 21. And he was... Uh, he wasn't... It wasn't necessarily a bit. He took life. He took current events... And it, he was going between philosophy and comedy. And that's what I love about him. Because mm. he's a philosopher. Yeah. Kanye West called him the modern-day Socrates. Which yeah, is, I mean, he, yeah, he is. He's incredible. The way that he blends his arts together. Is yes. What, I'm sorry, which is Beautiful. why I love Bo Burnham, too. Because Bo Burnham's a musical comic. But it's not the Weird Al Yankovic musical comedy. Right. It's, yeah. It's, Weird Al Yankovic is like kind of corny. I mean, he's just... I'm not gonna say he's not funny because he he has some good songs, but like it's generally, you know, low hanging fruit what he does. Yeah, definitely. But, um, That's an excellent way to put it. Um, I'd say um, Bo Burnham really works for what he has, and I'm so excited for his new special. I hope he does some stuff like. You know, I'll have to be excited things. for it too. I think. Uh, I would recommend you watch his specials in order. So really, um, he only has two on Netflix, but I it, I, I don't recommend have watching. Uh, well. Uh, you and Daniel can watch them together. That's what we need oh, to do. But um, you can watch. I'd recommend watching what first, and then make happy. All right. And uh, I'd watch them within the next two months because I think that's when his new one comes out. I will do that. It's called Inside. But if you say, and I think it's also, I think it would be a disservice to comedy if you do not put uh, the claimed, I guess, Christian cultural comedians as well. Yeah. Uh, I would say, and. I, Something that'll be a, as about as happy as you are for Bo Barnum's special coming mm-hmm. out after he hasn't done anything. Uh, Tim Hawkins had a podcast that ended in twenty eighteen. Right. Out of any warning, just boom, shut it off. And, I, and all the fans, including myself, were really upset about it. But out the blue, everybody had forgotten about it. I looked at it last Thursday, and he has a new one that he started, and that just made me really. I mean, he is a comedic genius. In it's my been opinion. six years since Bo's last six special. years. Six years. Yeah. What's he been doing? Just acting. Uh, well, he's he produced a movie. He did. He he's kind of like faded out of the comedy sphere. It's very it's very taxing for him. Uh, but uh, I can't emphasize this enough. Watch what first, and then watch Make Happy. Will do. Uh, but I'm. I'd say uh, also I don't I don't mean to butt in with more comedy stuff. But oh, that's John fine. Delaney, John about Delaney is. Oh yeah, he's a great storyteller. The pinnacle of storytelling comedians. Yeah, he's, I like impressions. His bit is incredible. I'm not. A, I'm, I don't really know much many impression comedians. Frank Caliendo, Jay Farrow. Um, Have you ever? I was like, impressions. Um, I went I've been watching twice. Zach Galifianakis. Between two Between ferns. ferns. Uh, I love that. That show is the predecessor to um the Eric Andre show. Eric Andre shows them. Really? Yeah, it's. I did not know that. It's it. I'll, I'll say I'd say predecessor and loosely. It didn't come first, but it uh well it did come first. Not necessarily that it the Eric Andre show took the place, but the Eric Andre show really took from the awkward comedy perspective and put it in there. Eric Andre is also a great comedian, and Hannibal Burris is a great comedian. Have you ever watched him at? Did you watch that video with him and uh, 
Alex Jones. You know who Alex Jones is? Yes, I'm aware of Alex Jones. Did you see him and uh, Alex Jones together? I haven't. I that haven't. was about... Mm, that was something to behold. I, uh... If I... Which I haven't answered my top three comedians. Dave Chappelle, obviously. Tom Segura. I love his stuff. And, uh... Really, it's the moment between Joe Rogan and Burt Kreischer. Like, I just... I love their comedy. But... We haven't talked about Theo Vaughn. Theo's he's a smaller. Uh, I like I like. It's not such a lock. I like his problem. podcast. The uh, his stuff I think it's, it's just awesome in my opinion. I think he's got a nice way of. I like his stuff. voice. Yeah, his voice. Man, he's really southern. He's he's, well, he's a, a Cajun. He's from yeah, uh, yeah, Louisiana. He's from Louisiana. Um, his father's uh, I think uh, Slovakian. Or Scandinavian. One of those two. His parents were like set in their eighties when he was born though. Yeah, That's they were in the seventies, yeah. Uh, That's incredible. And I thought my parents were born. I got a teacher who um her dad's dead, but she's like in her forties and her mom's like eighty seven or something. My mom my parents That's were That's how I was gonna be. My parents were forty one and forty three when they had me. Then yeah, that's how you'll be too. Yeah. I think but you want my top three. And this is not top three. This is three ones. This is three, uh... First of all, let me just say, I feel like I cannot... And I know he doesn't have his future for following some of these people. Or he might in Christian culture. But I would say that people like Tim Hawkins is just a comedic genius. So I'm just going to go ahead and put him if up If I there. had to but I would Christian say, comedian, it'd be John Chris. John Chris is great. I, was, I would put him number two. I would put Johnny W number three. Right. But I would say number... Well, maybe not number one. I'll just give you three, but I won't link them. I'll say I'll say uh, Bill Ball, Dave Chappelle, maybe. Oh, I got a bunch of them in my head now. Uh, you can make honorable mentions. Okay, I'll also say maybe somebody like. Uh, I always thought Jim Gaffigan's stuff was kind of funny. Yeah. Um. His stuff is a little bit too, and and he and he's aware of this, and he admits maybe not. It seems like this to me though. He talks about other stuff, but his main thing is food. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like when it's being shoved in your face all the time. No pun intended. Mm-hmm. But it's definitely, and then of course uh, Gabriel Iglesias. Yeah, I was just about to say. I mean, Jerry stuff, Seinfeld though. I like Jerry I'm not, Seinfeld. I'm not a fan of that. I am a big. Fan a lot of people of would say he's the Noah, best. I can't think of his name at the moment. Noah. Name's Noah. He's not from here. He's from like Africa or something. No, uh, you're talking about Noah Trevor. Yep. Trouble Noah. Trevor yeah. Noah. <laughs> yeah, he's funny. He does the uh, Today Show, well, not the Today Show. Yeah, but, but he has a special Netflix out. Of it. It's really very special. Cool. I would say also, but yeah, Jerry Seinfeld. I know he isn't as relevant now as he was, but if you ask your favorite comedians, what not what their favorite comedians would be? Growing up, they're Jerry Seinfeld. I mean, his, I mean, you know, uh, have you ever noticed how, that's usually how his bits start. Yeah, he's a very, he's the relatable comedian. And observational as well. He's yeah. an excellent observationalist. Right. And I feel like that's what you have to do. Because you'll take it, and that's another way of how comedy is an art. You're taking your surroundings, and your, mm-hmm. or your life, or your perspective, and putting it into your art. Same way with music. Also, take, and I, yeah, in the same way with music, everything, you're also taking you know, your pain, your sadness, and making light. Into it in some ways, in my opinion, comedy, like you said earlier, comes from pain and um, that was sorrow. Like right, and um, 
you take that and you can, you know, just make people laugh, and that's a way of coping with it, in my opinion. I mean, like, Apology, um, he talked about in one of the songs. 21. Yeah, 21, he talked about his anxiety and stuff. Hmm. And uh, then he said in an interview, you know, it's my way of coping with it. And he was saying, you know, it's my way of telling people that. And um, he said, it just makes it all better for me. That's one thing I like about him. And he turns into a profession. He, he, he has, does what he loves with it. Exactly. And isn't that everybody's dream? Yeah. He has the perfect blend of emotional. Right. And. So in my opinion, kinda, in my opinion, he's the best rapper of all just time. Just gangster up. Oh, okay. Well, one thing I do like about him, though. Is that he's not like I don't like. Well, I do sometimes, but I don't necessarily like rappers who all they talk about is just emotions and just kind of yeah, like that. But at the same time, I also but even he more, has he has a mixed blend. And all yes, that. and something I even more just you get, like you get is that the, aggressive stuff. You get the emotional stuff, and it, you get you get the life stuff and the motivational stuff. In my opinion, all from his albums. One thing I don't like albums. even more is the in your face gangster rap. We're gonna shoot your head off. Or and take your ball. That's what I'm thinking. So, I think I, and, and yelling at aggressive and like, like Twenty One Savage stuff. I don't. Some of that stuff, stuff is you know pretty good, but yeah. And that just I feel like that's not see. just the best art, but that is the art that they come from, and that is still taking their passion. Yeah. And that's what we do on this show. We want to um, take what we do, what we know, what we're passionate about, and along with other great conversationalists put it into a platform and make it an art and make it a gift that you can join in the experience as well. And uh, Well, I think, and also, you know, it's just to shed some light on some other situations and, uh, you know, just give other people a voice. Like, they can, uh, you know, they can talk about it if they need to, you know what I mean? Like, I think we're just showing people, you know, young people have, you know, the ability and, they can do if they want to to you know talk to other people and spread their opinions. Yeah, and I think that's a, a good a good circle to make. Uh, right. Know, as we began began the show, I say I'm, I was glad to be here uh, to yeah, um you know yeah of course I was glad to be here to uh, and it's a uh, amazing to uh, you know I'm glad that the uh, younger generation has a way to speak out and I think that's a good place to end it. You yeah, know? yeah. We definitely. really appreciate you coming on. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Or? Uh, yeah, um, don't be afraid to start a podcast like this. It's fun, it's nice. It really is. You need to start a podcast. You and Andrew need to get one. Yeah, we were thinking about it, but, uh, you know, Andrew, I hope me and Andrew can get on sometime together. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, we'll do that. We might do that when we go down to, when we go up to Greenville that week. Yeah, and you guys would be the that's, I feel like that's a good stopping point, you know. Um, yeah. We really appreciate you coming on. We look forward to you coming on again, and, uh, just like we said, you know, we are practicing what we preach here, you know, um. We said people were going to come on, and here we go right now. We have people come on. There's definitely going to be a lot more of this. Um, like Camden said at the start of this episode, um, give us some comments. Let us know how what you would like to go into and stuff, and uh, we'll consider it. All right. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Have a blessed week. Thank you.